Hi, Lothario de la Pulga here. <laughs> Just kidding. It's me, Salvador Viesca. I tried to trick you. I know you can tell the difference between my voice and my distinct character voice for Lothario. For instance, here's Lothario saying the line to his mom. Mama, stop hitting me with that chancla. Okay, now here's Sal talking to his mom. Mama, stop hitting me with that chancla. I'm trying to record a podcast. I'm just kidding, that was Lothario. I keep trying to trick you, but really there's no difference. No difference at all. If you want to make a real difference to us as listeners of the show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast. Check us out on our Patreon for bonus content and follow us on Awful D&D on all social media. Um, just, just give us five stars, everybody. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Awful Neutral. Hello, and welcome to Awful Neutral. I'm your dungeon master, Damian Mercado. With me, as always, is Caleb Cleveland as... Gonkolskian. Oh, I have missed that sweet, chocolatey voice. (laughs) A.G. as... Dun-dun-dun! Malice and Kill. The fanfare needed to be there. No, it was absolutely deserved. (laughs) Jesse Egan as... Bingsley Kamachud! Now, it's been a while since this half of Gertrude's dudes gotten together. It's good to to hear all your voices again. It has, man. It's like that Eminem song. I feel like everybody forgot about Chud. (laughs) You know, nowadays people like to talk like they've got something to say, but... <laughs> Nothing comes out unless they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. Just a bunch of cantrips. Just a bunch of cantrips. I've, uh, I've ar- I'm already a five-star island on Animal Crossing, and I, by the way, got a snapping turtle pet that I have named Gonk. Wow. <laughs> I, I feel like the little the little uh, green bar at the bottom of my life screen, under, you know, in, in my own vision has popped up. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> You know, I've, I've I've appeared in multiple media. Thank you, thank you so much, every, OG. And every time I pet him, he goes, eh. "It's really, it's, it's interesting." <laughs> I'm gonna have to remember that. <laughs> Is that cross-platform icon Gonk Holskin? <gasps> That's it. I know him from the Nintendo verse. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> 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 when we last left, Gonk. Malison and Chud, as their sham trial ended. The trio, along with Gremel Stonebreaker and Lothario's mom, were given life sentences <laughs> for a wide range of crimes against the state. From the windows on their prison caravan, looking more like a fortress made to withstand armies of giants or dragons, the party sees the imposing gothic structure, sits on a series of defensible hills, five days ride, outside the town of Crows Point. The prison fortress's 300-foot walls alone must be over 40 feet wide. You can see from where you are that they're manned by disciplined roving guard regiments on patrol. A beautiful but cold windowless stone mega-complex stands before the party as they exit the transport. To the left of the party, in the vast courtyard between the prison walls and Folksome Prison proper, a massive building stands 80% constructed. The words Rakatomi Plaza can be seen etched in stone above the seven-story structure's entrance. <laughs> this is just foreshadowing for something else that happened on the event in another wait. episode. It's not going to happen until Christmas, but we'll get there. 
The plaza, while a seven-foot-tall megastructure is impressive, it is nothing compared to Folksom Prison proper in front of you. The party is led past Rakatomi and towards the core of the prison. Thick, 30-foot-tall oak doors open and let the party enter their new home. As you make your way into the inner courtyard of the prison, you see two giant metal doors open up, and you five, along with a couple other prisoners, are led inside. As you you enter this dark, metallic chamber, easily the size of a basketball gymnasium, there is a white line painted on the ground, and that portion is lit by lanterns. The guards instruct you, Stand with your toes on the line, hands at your side. Can Malison try to snort it, thinking it's giant cocaine? You, Goliath lady, get off your knees. That's not cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) What line? There ain't no line. (laughs) We got no line to stand on. It's been snorted away. (laughs) (laughs) Wang, dang, diggity, dang, a dang. (laughs) Nice. The guard turns to the trainee guard standing beside him. This happens one in every group. Somebody tries to snort the line. Don't worry about it. You'll get used to it, you guys. Well, we are in folks in prison. <laughs> I, I snort the line. <laughs> Walking past Rockatomi Plaza makes me realize how long I, I, I dislike going long rides in carriages. Makes me feel a little nauseous. Needs, I think I need to make fists with my toes. <laughs> As Gronk sits there on the line, taking fists with his toes. Fucking California. A mat... A, um, <clears throat> As he says it, a massive human man dressed in much more ornate of a uniform than any of the other guards you see. The man is stone-faced. Edward James Stoneface. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like an incredibly buff Edward James Olmos. <laughs> well, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Uh, you know, uh, Rockatomi. Let's let's make it. You know, Snape. <laughs> All right, uh, an extremely buff Alan Rickman. You mean Hans Gruber? Oh my God! An extremely buff Alan Rickman-looking gentleman comes inside, oh like God. Alan Rickman if he had the mountain from Game of Thrones body attached to him. Alan Rickman. <laughs> What a savings. He's wearing a guard uniform that's several sizes too tight to show off his physique. Everybody stand on the line. (laughs) By Grabfall's hammer. (laughs) Shut the hell up. The warden wishes to address all new prisoners. The guards bang their rifles on the floor in front of you you see a very well-dressed man you assume is the warden. Hello. His voice echoes through the room. Can I compliment his suit? You may. Nice suit. I hear Arafat has three. (laughs) Does Barry Manilow know you raid his wardrobe? (laughs) Oh, no. The warden looks over at the Alan Rickman gentleman, gives him a nod, and the Alan Rickman gentleman walks up and takes the butt of his rifle and takes it into Chud's stomach. Chud, give me a constitution check. That's utterly painful. Thank you. I'm going to use that. You speak when we say you speak. You shit when we say you shit. All right, so I rolled a seven and I go, Ooh, that's utterly painful. Thanks, AG. (laughs) Chud, 
You forget how painful being hit in the udders is. Chud collapses to the ground, uh, moaning in the background. Oh, as... I, I somehow forgot how utterly painful it is to get... Uh, I used that twice. That's no good. You get kicked again for using a pun twice. Oh, dang it. There we go. The Alan Rickman-looking guard, Guard Halsey, walks back to his position and says... You eat when we say you eat, you shit when we say you shit, and you talk when we say you talk. Do we have any questions? Too late there, because I, I just shit without your permission. <laughs> you hit me too hard in the udders. That's what happens. <sighs> he goes back and hits Chud again on the ground. No! Now you made me do it again. <laughs> Go ahead and picture five minutes of Chud just being kicked on the ground while the warden checks his watch. You're forcing me to break the rules that you just set out. Talking that happens during the beating does not count. Anything after the beating will count. When I crap myself, did that count? Well, they didn't say when to shoot, sir, so I guess you you just darned yourself another one. Feels like it counts. uh, I gave you permission with my fists to shit. (laughs) (laughs) The warden gets control of the room again. Certainly not the longest introduction to the seminar we've had, but... Not the shortest we've had in a long time. Are you okay, mister? And he checks his billboard. Mr. Bingsley, have you gotten the message? Uh, yeah. The message is, uh, keep my big yapper closed, right? Excellent. You do learn. Let me tell you about Folksome Prison. At Folksome Prison, we are a family. As such, each of you will be required to do your household chores. Many of you will be assigned a job within the prison. He motions to the guards. You may take all but these five away. I still have things I would like to discuss. And he motions to you three as well as Gremel and Lothario's mom. The guards lead the rest of them away. I was told to keep a special eye on... On you five, you have been known to be troublemakers. As such, I will not give you the chance to conspire. You five will be split up into different sectors of the prison. He looks at Gremel Stonebreaker and his stout dwarven body and his muscular arms. You're a dwarf, which means you're good with stone. And we will put that expertise in stonework to good use. You will be spending your time here turning large rocks into small ones. He looks at Lothario's mom. You are clearly a member of the Thieves' Guild. You will be put with the gangs and other ne'er-do-wells in G-Wing. Then he gets to Gonk, sees all of the pirate markings on Gonk. Another pirate. Oh, we have two for G-Wings. That's all right. I'm just used to swabbing dicks and what have you. He steps to the right and steps in front of Malison. Hmm, you have a capable look about you. I think we'll put you to work in the kitchens in F-Wing. Fwing! <laughs> and then he steps in front of Chud. Hmm, since you've been in here, your spells, you have not felt a connection with magic. A wizard. We don't get many wizards here at Folksome Prison. Well, you can't do any magic within these walls. That's a damn shame. Can, can Gonk not feel like his uh, ancestral uh, crackling on his uh, uh, on his uh, skin or what have you? You feel like your connection with your ancestors, since you've been within these walls, they, whereas before you could hear their voices on the wind, now they seem almost an echo. Mm-hmm. 
you can still rage if you needed, but a lot of the powers associated with that would be diminished. Hell yeah, bro, rage! I was hoping that there would be like a Patrick E-Wing that we could do, go and do some Dallas stuff. <laughs> no. Who shot AG? But we don't get many, but since you are a wizard, you are a learned man. And I have a special project. I am from a home of learned doctors. Excellent. Hmm? Now you may go. Oh, all right. Can I get a library card? We have to make the library, don't you? That's that's our plot line here. Your party jokes around and breathes a collective sigh of relief, thinking that wasn't as bad as you thought. Then you see the warden reach into his pocket, and he pulls out a small box with a button on it. He pushes the button, and as he does so, all of you are sprung into the air. The manacles around your wrists are pulled to a magnetic force above you, and the chains on your legs are pulled to a magnetic force below you. you all five of you are suspended in midair, restrained. Well, hey! Whoa! Oh, my. This is on to Walwater. At least he didn't hit me in the udders again. Ellen Rickman comes up and punches you in the udder. Oh, dang it, I spoke too soon. The temptation was too much. The Air Croker Brothers hung me from the air like this once. Once. Then there should be no problem for you. One of the guards brings the warden a thick barbed whip. Oh, no. And says, Have any of you ever read The Baron of Monte Cristo? Fascinating story. I know they make a good sandwich. It's a delicious sandwich. It has jam and powdered sugar on it. It's wonderful. Tasty. Tasty. Vegetable shortening? I think that was something else. Is you gonna make it? Uh, one of them with that whip? Upon seeing uh, the person enter with the whip and hearing about the Count of Monte Cristo, Malison says under her breath, Awesome. Ah, <laughs> uh, we have a fan of fine literature. Now, I stopped reading the book after the No, we have a fan scene. of being whipped. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was reading this book. There aren't a lot of good depictions of wardens in literature. In fact, I actually stopped reading this account after they mentioned the scene with the warden. I assume good things happen to him at the end of the story. I've stopped reading. <laughs> it's uh, the redemption. The, the Warden Redemption. Uh, incidentally, Mr. Warden, did you introduce yourself? What was your what was your uh, your given name? Oh, my mistake. I am Warden Hollister. Merryweather. Warden Hollister. Of course, how manly. I am very secure in my sexuality and masculinity. For some reason, you smell like abs and shitty perfume. Listen, uh, <laughs> do you, uh, when I I have a. Uh, uh, th- 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 there was a in my par- in my poisonous. There was a small, uh, a little uh, pamphlet, uh, or perhaps a small uh, scroll that was uh, rolled up inside my shell. It had a bunch of addresses and people's uh, paid of familiars, fathers, if you will. Uh, could you go ahead and write where your address, uh, where your father lives, on that? That'd be very, very helpful. <laughs> Put yeah. them on the shit list, huh, God? Well. Not to put too fight upon on it, but yeah, it's my to-do-do list, and I'm, uh, I just want to make sure I don't, uh, you know, I get all my I's crossed and my T's dotted, if you know what I mean. I'll tell you what. So you looking for, uh, the warden's, the warden's father once we get out of here? Well, just for, you know, it, it will, it will not take long. It'll be a short trip, but I have a certain set of skills that I have to use. It will not happen today, it will not happen tomorrow, but eventually and soon... 
I will shit on his dad. He's like the Liam Neeson of dad crapping. I'm sorry, what happened there? I disappeared for a second. <laughs> Who possessed me? As you're saying this, the warden is taking practice cracks with his whip, stretching out, getting his arms. I don't think you understand, Mr. Holskin. You're never leaving here. But I'll tell you what. My father's name is Cornelius Hollister. He lives in Middenheim. Should you ever find your way out of here, feel free to add him to your list. I, he squints painfully. So his name was so terrible, he took it out on you by naming you Merriweather. Yes, that's my tragic warden backstory, was that my father hated me so much, he gave me a shitty name. So you're like the boy named Sue, back in folks in prison. Yeah, except instead of becoming tough, I learned to punish tough people. Well, how do you do? Oh, my udders! Oh, my udders! Good to meet you. Can you stop whipping me, please? So he starts whipping you, gives you a speech. He tells you that just like the warden in his book, every year on the one year anniversary of your arrival at Folksome Prison, he gets all of you together. In fact, it's the only time you guys see each other all year is during this horrible event. Who says it's horrible? Uh, Gonk actually ends up looking forward to it like immensely. You know what? As a matter of fact, after year three, when he realized Malison was really into it, uh, Malison just is still chained there and restrained, but she just has to watch as the other two are whipped. You still think I'm not into that? She's turned around. <laughs> she can only hear the screaming. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, my udders and I enjoy this less every year. Out of nowhere. Uh, I'm not coming to the holidays this year. Hmm. I say that. Oh, God. Well, that is something that happens one day a year for the rest of your stay. That's not what happened right when you were released from the warden's care. Care with a K? <laughs> Imitation care. With a Q. So let's go ahead and start with Malison. After Malison recovers, her back's still bleeding. She's still turned on. She's post-orgasmic from the beating <laughs> she just had. <laughs> Good lord. She is led to the mess hall. Prisoner Tulip I got a new recruit for your kitchen. The guard says, in front of Malison stands a Goliath woman, very similar in height and build to Malison. It is surprising to see somebody so young be in charge of such a large kitchen, even though this is prison. You wouldn't suspect the person standing in front of you to be the equivalent to a 19-year-old human. The young lady standing in front of Malison is collected, has a cold look on her face, isn't smiling. She turns all the way around to look at the new prisoner at that point. Malison, you see Goliaths have markings all over their body. They're born with it on their head, on their neck. They're usually black. They can be a couple other different colors, but each Goliath's marking is unique. Malison, you remember seeing this child's markings before, but as a baby, you know it like the back of your hand. You've tried not to think about it for years, but the last time you remember seeing the person standing in front of you, Lord Charon was pulling her out of your arms and kicking you out of her mansion. Yeah, and um, I don't say anything outwardly, but think to myself, Jennifer? And usually has a very steely what gaze. What the heck are you talking about? No, I don't say Jennifer. I don't say Jennifer. <laughs> I keep it to myself that I, I, I don't want anyone to know that I recognize who it is. Tulip looks you up and down. Who's Tulip? Tulip is the name of the prisoner you've been led in front of. You might have known her as Jennifer, but that is not the name she has grown up as. Oh, okay. This woman looks you up and down. <sighs> they gave me another old one. They can't give me anybody with a back. You got some muscle on you, though. 
Can you carry a sack of potatoes? Massive frame throws a 50-pound sack of potatoes at you like a dodgeball, just trying to see your reaction. Go ahead and give me a strength saving throw. Okay, 19, and then I have a plus 5 strength. When the 50-pound sack of potatoes is thrown at Malison, Malison palms it like it was a basketball chucked at her, and this is her court. She also then dunks the whole thing into a big pot of water. Looks like I should have been in the E-wing. There it is. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So you have a strong back. We got to start you off at the bottom. And she leads you to a room where you see a, a, a tough older human woman with red hair. I'm going to take her job. Okay. <laughs> uh, you see a, you see an older woman there. Go ahead and give me an intimidation roll. Oh, I rolled a 19 again. Rallison, <laughs> you rolled a plus an over 20 on an intimidation check. You're now the warden. Uh, you walk up to this older human lady with bright red hair. Tulip leaves to go attend to another part of the kitchen. We're going to say you walk up, grab the knife that she's peeling, that she's cutting potatoes with, stick it in the cutting board. What do you say to her? To the This is the sous chef now? Yeah. What do you say to Olga? I'm the sous chef now. Ma- with that roll like that, Malison grabs the knife, sticks it in the board, leans over this creature one-third her size. Uh, All of the color drains from this hardened Russian woman's face. The cigarette that she was smoking in the kitchen while cutting potatoes at the time falls out of her lips. And she says, You are sous chef. And she backs away with her hands up. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. No, I just, uh, Malison picks up the knife and continues to peel the potatoes. While barking orders. Now, Malison, I don't know if you're a cook or not. But are you barking coherent orders to this lady who's now your underling? Or are you giving good cooking orders? Uh, yes. Uh, in my early days in the Navy, I was in the mess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead and give me an intelligence roll. We're going to, our history check, we're going to see how well you remember your days in the mess. Uh well, with two 19s in a row, this isn't going to be good. Let's see. Three! <laughs> I rolled a three. <laughs> Go get the spatulas. We need sandwiches that need to be cut with double the spatulas. And she's giving things that just make no sense to anybody in the kitchen. Malison's more distracted by the fact that she just saw her daughter and maybe some of the things coming out of her mouth don't make as much sense. This omelet needs more mayonnaise. Go get me more mayonnaise, she says. And she points to the confused Russian lady who, out of fear, is getting everything. Tulip reappears in the kitchen. She doesn't question what happened. She just... Yeah. She gives you a nod. Where was Tulip born? Midnight. When Tulip comes in and uh, gives me the nod, does she say anything to me? I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll something real fast. What up? You get the feeling that, like her mother, she is a woman of few words. She gives you a solemn nod. It looks like I have a new number two. What did you say your name was? Malison. We Middenheimers. We can be tough. You're from Middenheim too. Nice. I like the name Malison. It's strong. She rolled really low on her insight check. She has no idea. She, you are just, you are nobody to her. That comment rolled off her back. Yeah, I'm just hoping that enough comments at some point she'll be able to put them together, you know. All right, I'll tell you what. So let's just say the, the next six years pass. <laughs> <laughs> Takes her a while. Yeah, right? Takes her some time. What do you want to happen in those six years? So you're the chef. What What is your goal? Uh, I just keep quiet that I know Tulip is my daughter but keep dropping subtle hints uh, that I know from her past that, that, that might 
until I see that twinkle in her eye of recognition or, or at least putting two and two together and uh, by the way after after six whippings uh, I'm feeling pretty good alright excellent well you know we're gonna say that you have only experienced five whippings now but uh, today's the day of your sixth coincidentally we flash forward six years and Tulip who now you become much closer no none of you are very good about talking about your feelings. Every time you've tried dropping a hint, perhaps she's not being insightful enough. Perhaps you're not being expressive enough. But six years of dropping hints, and you get the feeling that she has not. Though you have developed a close relationship with this person, you get the feeling she doesn't know your true relationship. <laughs> I still, I, I kind of feel like this is a, a cool sort of like, uh, reference to like uh, Oscar and Buster Bluth from Arrested Development. Every, every once in a while, like Malison would mention something like, uh, "Oh, if only we could be closer," and or uh, or uh, Tulip would be like, "Oh, if only we could be closer," and she's and Malison's like, "Oh, we are." And then there's like subtle piano music <laughs> trails off. You're weird. <laughs> and like off in the corner, like Gonk rolls his eyes, going, "Oh, goddamn." <laughs> yeah, the narrator of Gonk. They didn't and missed again. <laughs> they didn't realize the treasure was in the banana stand the whole time. <laughs> uh, so Malison is there at this point. She's no longer cutting potatoes. She's uh, actually supervising after six years. Okay, she's supervising new prisoners who've come in and uh, are now uh, training to be the the cooks. Tulip comes into your office and says, "It happened. I'm being released." Time off for good behavior, right? <laughs> Crazy. She's not a talker, but you actually see you see a smile on her face. She has been she did not expect to be released today or anytime soon. Hmm. I'm gonna go back home to Bindheim. What are you gonna do when you get out? But then remembers that you're in here for life. I'm getting out with you. <laughs> oh yeah. Where's the hole you've been digging? <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of people I've When I was a little girl. I was raised in an orphanage, and uh, my earliest memories are with some rich lady. I'm told by the people who ran the orphanage that she got tired of me. You know, a, a Goliath child is a lot of hard work. You know, life was hard, and I made a lot of bad decisions, and I've kept people at arm's length. And I know it's crazy to say, and I may never see you again because you're going to be here forever, but you're probably the only person I've ever been close to. I've never really talk I've never been much of a talker except for this sentence here with you and a few other nights in the past <laughs> this exact <laughs> sentence it's weird but even though you don't talk or express much I feel like I can trust you and I just wanted to say thank you for making the years in here easier and she starts to cry and gives you a hug you can trust me though I was never rich subtle piano music in the background <laughs> well, now cool, you how are. much did you make? <laughs> <laughs> so she's about to get out. They're still dancing around this with euphemisms. Is that what's going on? Can I uh, walk through like uh, with a cart of books? Like, hey, there you are, Mal, with your daughter. What's going on? And then keep walking. <laughs> uh, you, you, see you drop off a book of bloodlines and family trees, yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and, then, and then we find out Tulip can't read. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he uh, gives a book, saying he starts talking, but as he does, guards tackle Chud. Say, what are you doing outside the library? Get back here and drag him. As no, they're kicking me it. in the udders. Oh, yeah. dang it. I can't relay the fact that I know that y'all are related. Gonk is lit on a chain gang, and he's like, oh, Mal, Tulip, the Midnight of Kills. How, how you guys doing? That's true. I just thought of that, though. Hold on. I just thought of the fact that their family name is Kill, so it would be the Kills. That's why he said, your family is the Kills. <laughs> I live next door to the Kills. All right. Sorry, Damien. <laughs> the Kill family. They were real the quiet. Kill we never expected anything to go wrong. <laughs> After an, a long silence and a hug that was long overdue between two friends or a mother and daughter, the hug is interrupted when guards come in and grab Malison and take her to go see the warden for her yearly visit. To watch him kick me in the eyes. Awesome. It's Mal Tulip Bidenheimer Kill. And somebody else on the in the food line is like, hey, it's my name too. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I name is my name too. The people always shout. Mal Tulip Bidenheimer Kill. La, 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 la. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you do anything as uh, as you're being led away from your from your daughter? Just keep looking back. Hoping for her to see who, for her to realize who I am. She does the same, and you you could swear you hear her say, there goes the best number two a head chef could ask for. Uh, We're going to go ahead and cut it there. God, she's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't have a mom or proper schooling. (laughs) All right. Gonk Holskin. That's me. As you are led from your very first whipping by the warden, you are led through the prison and you notice while this is all one structure, there is certainly more care and attention paid to the earlier cell blocks versus the later cell blocks. For example, you get the feeling that people who work on the library and do essential functions for the prison prisoners, they get to be in the earlier A block, C block, etc. You are led through a series of comically worse and more decrepit sections of the prison, all the way to the block where they house the pirates and other various gang members. People they don't think they can get much use out of, and this wing of the prison is much more brutal. Guards intervene far less. In fact, guards are much more likely to be corrupt and make life hell in this area of the prison. Oh, I, he like turns around and like uh, gently tugs on the on the cuff of the guard who's uh, who's escorting him. He's like, I heard there was uh, the uh, possibility of getting a one room Hilton and around here. Uh, is, is that no longer the case? You're sure lucky that the Alan Rickman looking guards followed Chud to his wing, just punching him in the udders the whole time because that type of talk would. Oh, my udders! <laughs> you hear in the distance as Chud's being led away. Alan Rickman. <laughs> Five curtain calls. He was an actor once, damn it. Now look at him. <laughs> Finally, you're led to this big open courtyard within this wing of the prison. It turns out they have long recreation times in the <laughs> pirate wing. Uh, and so you are led to this courtyard where you see all types of ne'er-do-wells. In fact, you see uh, Lothario's mom has already been deposited here. She is actually being treated like royalty, the uh, Thieves' Guild gang, which is basically made of thieves, uh, members of the Thieves' Guild who've been arrested and sent here, have created their own little gang, welcome her with open arms. She is treated as the Thieves' Guild royalty that she is. She, You get the feeling that Lothario's mom is going to be like a maid man, a maid person here. Figures. 
But you are off with the rest of the pirates. You notice there's not a lot of intermingling between the different various factions, the Thieves' Guild. The, the Gnome- Eladrin Kings. Yeah, yeah, the Eladrin Kings, Dwarven Bloods, and the Gnomish Crips. You get a feeling that these prisoners, despite having limited wardrobe choices, have found ways to uh, show the world what gangs they're in. Uh, now, the pirate gang... Where you are is pretty easy. Just dress like a pirate. Usually that's just a bandana, having a peg leg, a parrot, something like that. Mm-hmm. Pirate's a lifestyle that you can see. You see this gaggle of pirates cheering you in a circle. Oh. It looks like they're they're betting on a fight inside this circle. Oh, dear. Uh, well, Gonk is more than a little... Uh... Yeah, yeah I w- I'll, I'll say that he's a little intimidated. He's never actually, you know, it, it, the, the threat of jail has never actually been made real to him. He's always sort of been, uh, he never he never actually thought he would make it into a prison. He always thought he would be hanged and that he would find a way to escape prior to this. So this is all very interesting to him. He's trying to make light of the situation. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, he does find his uh, attention peaked. So he's... Uh, going to sort of, uh, uh, he squares his shoulders, um, he's going to try and act tough and, uh, sort of intimidate or bully his way into the, uh, into the circle to sort of see, uh, what's going on. But, uh, anybody who has an inkling of, uh, insight would probably be able to figure out that he's shitting terrified. All right. Excellent. I love it. All right. So gonk lowers his shoulder and with his powerful tortled build is able to force his way into the circle of of humanoids until he can see what's going on in the middle in the middle he sees something that rocks him to his core Uh oh he sees an older pirate gentleman one he knows all too well the legendary captain daiquiri ron but at the same time he doesn't The figure laying on the ground looks like a shadow of the great man Gonk saw only a few years ago. He's older, looks beaten down. He looks like he's had some hard years. Most notably, he's now missing his right hand. Oh, that's his daiquiri holding hand. (laughs) Standing above him is a large fire genasi gentleman. Shirt off, big muscles, pirate bandana on. And he's staring at the crowd, getting them pumped up before he makes his way over to the downed Captain Daiquiri Ron and punches the sad older gentleman. Get up! Get up, old man! You're not a legend anymore! In fact, you've turned from Captain Ron into the legend of the sad old man who'll die in here. Not as catchy, but... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They should have sent a poet, not a pirate. I think that's the saying. (laughs) Oh! Was not as catchy, shouts Gonk, <laughs> and he he tackles his way, or scrums his way, I should say, uh, being a charger straight into the into the melee, and uh, tries to shove the Genasi off of uh, Dakari Ron and into the crowd, if only to sort of uh, provide some sort of uh, cover. Go ahead and give me, let's say, an athletics check. Okay. Okay, so that is a 23. <laughs> I love it. You guys, when you give me these high rolls, it creates it creates for fun, wacky shit. No, it, you just hear like this loud snort. <clears throat> the, the ground shakes and gonk. You know, a couple pirates or, or some gang members go flying out of the way. And 
Boof. That's gong up ears. All Captain Jack and Ron can hear is the low, bassy grunts of a turtle. Uh, he's dazed and doesn't really know what he's hearing. He's so out of it from concussions, he doesn't even feel the heavy footsteps of the rampaging turtle bursting through a row of pirates. But he does see that his the fire genasi standing above him is knocked like he was hit by a semi-truck out of frame. And replaced is a grunting and snarling turtle. You see the fire genasi fly into the other crowd of people. In fact, like he flies through the ring of pirates, goes tumbling and ends up hitting the stone wall. He's unconscious. Gonk, you fucked him up. Mm. He got gonked. Captain Daiquiri Ron looks up at you. <sighs> Why'd, Why'd you have to interfere? It's just going to get worse for everybody now. In fact, after the fire genasi goes flying through, the whole crowd goes silent for a second. And that's when you hear, Oh, it looks like we got somebody else who wants to play. I, I know this one. You recognize this voice, Gunk. This is a voice you haven't heard in a while. It was somebody who was once a friend, or somebody you thought was a friend, on the first pirate ship you ever were on. Uh, You turn around, you see a fat goblin in front of you. You know this to be Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete. Gonkowskin, good to see you again. I'm sorry about that mess a couple years back. I see you made it okay, though. Mm, Not for for any of that. Well, yeah, hi. <laughs> he turns and shouts at everybody, Everyone, this is that turtle I was telling you about. You know, we don't see many of them here, but I told you on that one. It took our whole pirate ship to subdue him. Gore's quite a fighter, if I remember right. Looks like we got a new champion. Take the old man away. You see two pirates go and grab Captain Daiquiri Ron and drag him away. Uh, I'm going to try and interfere. I don't want them doing anything to Captain Daiquiri Ron. Excellent. I love it. Give me a strength check. If that's possible, I'd also like to rage. Excellent. So that you get an advantage on your strength check. Uh, and uh, yes, I strength check, uh, saving throws. So uh, you want me to do a strength check, you said? So that would be a uh, 17. They rolled a... <laughs> they rolled a five, a natural five. So we're going to say that uh, nice. these two lackey pirates with their weathered, muscly pirate arms try to drag away Captain Daiquiri Ron, but they are stopped in their tracks when they see that you have a, a hold of Captain Daiquiri Ron's right leg. You guys are stretching me. Please stop. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Total, for your help. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, uh, basically, as soon as they put their hand on him, I gonk immediately starts feeling uh, his ancestral powers, try, try to connect with him, but instead all he feels is like this vacant uh, red rage sort of like uh, fill his veins and his heart start pumping, and he just uh, lets fly with this incredibly bass bellow, let go of the daiquiri or you'll get a smackery. <laughs> With the role you had, they feel the might and the hot breath and the energy coming off this turtle. And both pirates drop Captain Daiquiri Ron from waist height. With his feet held up high by Gonk, he just, his upper body slams onto the ground. Stinky Pete speaks up. The other pirates pull their cheeks sharpened toothbrushes 
encircling Gonk and Captain Jackery Ron, but they're staring back at Stinky Pete, looking for what to do. If he wants to protect the old man, fine. Let him protect the old man. Let's go, boys. Let's give the new chap and the old man some time to rest. And uh, before they go, can I, I, there's, there's something I'd like to kind of try and uh, attempt with Gonk. Please. Gonk is, uh, he's at a weird crossroads right now. He is unable to pull forth his uh, totemic powers. And so what he does instead is he kind of, uh, because there's the well is sort of empty, as it were, because of where he is, because of the prison and the anti sort of arcane magic that's, uh, that's uh, keep that's instilled in the walls or whatever. Um, instead, what he tries to do is he digs deeper and he remembers the teachings of his very first turtle mentor, uh, who is this old turtle woman with incredibly long uh, seaweed-like hair, long barbels dangling uh, from her uh, from her throat and from her head. And it was the very it, basically she was a she was a barbarian and she was the one who taught him uh, how not to be a pirate anymore how to be a uh, you know basically set him on the road towards uh you know acknowledging his ancestral roots mm-hmm. uh, and becoming a wanderer uh rather than somebody who you know you know deserves a, a, a sharp drop with a short stop um that's the other way around but you got it gotcha um and instead what he comes up with is like but the thing was she was very almost like a monk rather than a barbarian she multiclassed uh, well here let me see if i can try it out it's sort of she was basically instead of raging she was trying to teach gonk uh to achieve some sort of inner peace uh something you know where he could place all the rage and guilt and um uh pain that he had been uh dealt his uh his whole young total life with that, he sort of like pulls back this big draft of wisdom from the uh, from the experience, and he looks around at these retreating uh, pirates and gang members and thieves, and says, "Shame on you! I thought we was in this together. Look at this man, this poor human." He says, lifting up uh, Dakri Ron. Yeah, he's a shadow as his former self, and yeah, he's missing some body parts, but. You can't go rejecting your authentic self just because uh, you don't like what you see. You have to accept your faults, work on your mistakes, and try to apply your strengths. Failure is how we learn. He's still raging, but it's coming out like uh, like positive reinforcement. Stop fighting reality, he bellows. You are only prolonging your suffering. Give me a... At a persuasion or intimidation check with advantage, because I because it's not going to be very good either way. <laughs> He's, While you do have a zen about you, I think I think this would be intimidating. Well, it's just like his eyes are bulging, his his veins are popping, and he's just like, everybody, slow down. The weirdest uh, juxtaposition you've seen. Uh, yeah, eleven. All right. <laughs> I'm sure they're very confused. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> There's a bit of a pause, and a couple of the, you hear a couple of the pirates repeat, Everybody slow down. Everybody slow down. That's right. Everybody slow down. That makes sense. But a couple others just stare between you and Stinky Pete, not really willing to risk their necks just yet. 
You do get the feeling, though, the way they're looking at Stinky Pete with fear and then looking back at you, that they don't seem to like Stinky Pete. Well, he's stinky. If you couldn't hear his footsteps, you could smell Stinky Pete approaching you. Don't listen to this one. Kicked off the first pirate ship he was ever on. He never understood simple lessons like being a pirate is about looking up for number one first. And then looking out for your crew. And then after that, the whole world can get sorted off. We crowd around the strongest of us. Ultimately, we rally around those who can provide. While some pirates are strong, most of us are just bloody followers. Looking for a strong captain to tell us we did good. Gonk looks firmly straight into Stinky Pete's eye. Uh... Slowly assists uh, a limping uh, Dakri Ron over to Stinky Pete, grabs Stinky Pete by the scruff of his uh, nasty ass like tunic, uh, pulls him close so they're like, so they're like snout to snout. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is terrible. Roll me a Constitution check. It's 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 overbearing. Eighteen. Eighteen. Uh, yeah. Even though the smell of Stinky Pete burns your eyes, it, it does not interrupt your speech. Okay. <laughs> you grew up with Stinky Pete. This is nothing. Yeah. No, I'm just like, dang, Stinky Pete, you stink. <laughs> uh, no, I does, he doesn't say that. Uh, what he does say, Why go looking for captain when you're the only captain you need? Accept feelings, take away conflict, and remove negativity. That is the source of your anxiety and suffering, Stinky Pete! You are in Stinky Pete's face and Captain Dacry Ron's around your shoulder, right? Mm, yeah. All right. You pull your face back and uh, Stinky Pete has blood coming from the side of his mouth. You look and you see that Captain Dacry Ron has taken a toothbrush and sharpened it, mm-hmm. hidden it on his person, and has now revealed that he has it and buried it in the back of Stinky Pete's neck when you were... Shanked him. Yikes. Blood spurts from a wound on the side of Stinky Pete's neck. He places his hand over the wound, a look of shock on his face. He starts to lose his balance. He collapses to one knee, struggles for a moment, gurgles out, and falls dead at Gonk and Captain Daiquiri Ron's feet. Captain Daiquiri Ron looks up at you. Keep talking. Tell these boys what they need to hear. Otherwise, we're dead. I don't care anymore. Oh, gosh. Uh, he drops uh, Daiquiri Ron. Uh, as Stinky Pete, you know, uh, uh, fades into a, you know, uh, becomes a stinky forest ghost. Um, uh, like Slimer. Oh, Stinky Pete. Oh, my udders. Go, go forth into the, into the, uh, into the smelliest cloud of peace and tranquility that you think you deserve, probably. You were a horrible bastard, and you're mean as hell, but you deserved worse, uh, better than to get shivved by a piece of dental equipment. A piece of dental equipment that had been cheeked. Don't forget that. What? That was kept between Captain Daiquiri Ron's butt cheeks. Well, that expl- well that's probably the, cl- the cleanest thing that's ever entered your body in the last 20 years. <laughs> let, let go of bitterness. Accept reality for what it is, Stinky Pete. I shall see thee on the further show. Yeah, and you complete those words. Captain Daiquiri Ron crawls his broken body over on top of Stinky Pete, removes the toothbrush, 
and stabs Sneaky Pete a few more times. You double-crossing son of a bitch. (laughs) I don't care if we both die. And you see tears of rage. You see what looks like a tortured man finally getting revenge. Captain Daiquiri Ron passes out on top of Sneaky Pete. This is a dark, dark episode. Nice. Honestly, I didn't picture Sneaky Pete dying right now. This is just me. (laughs) The rest of the pirates circle around Gonk. They start getting closer. Gonk, however, shoots them a mean stare, and they all know to give Gonk some space. I forgive all y'all, land-loving souls and souls. Gonk picks up his hero, takes him to a secluded part of the prison wreckyard. Captain Dacry Ron starts to regain consciousness. We're not dead. That's surprising. Why'd you help me back there? Pirates usually don't do that for one another. Who says I was a pirate? He say, he says, looking at Dacry Ron, why be a pirate when one can evolve and become something better? You are different from the rest, to be sure. Again, no, none of the pirates there stuck up for me. But you're lying to yourself if you say there's not a little pirate in you. It comes off you, I can smell it like I can smell the sea breeze. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't pirate. I just say I, I know I tried to evolve. One lesson that you yourself might learn, old Daiquiri Ron. Meditate with me. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm a little hurt to meditate, a little concussed, just before I pass out. I think he just, did he just say you smell like a pirate? That's how he knew. <laughs> you stink like a fucking pirate. That's basically how he, he scentily profiled you. I can smell the scurvy on you. <laughs> You're a pirate through and through. That's just the fried jellyfish I had earlier. But why'd you help me? I mean, really? Did you just have a death wish on your first day in here? I don't know you. Ah, death won't come for me today. I helped you because you needed help. When I was addressing your, uh, tormentor, and, uh, in the form of Stinky Pete, you had an opportunity to learn, and an opportunity to evolve past your, I'm sorry, I'm starting to fade a little bit, my rage is passing, so I'm starting to get a little bit more pissed off. I I feel like there's, there's something here that I can take away from. Regardless, I'm glad you're better, uh, well, that you ain't dead. Daiquiri Ron, but next time I save your life, uh, try to follow my lead. Read the damn room, man. Don't go murdering people that I don't want murdered. I murdered a man who deserved it. Sticky Pete is rotten in the nine hells right now. Uh, I'm sorry to get you caught up in my revenge. I wasn't thinking about your welfare when I finally stabbed that son of a bitch. That that lousy cuttlefish. Sticky Pete. <laughs> Oh, whoa, 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 that's a fucking talk. Did I call him Stinky Feet? I meant to call him Stinky Feet. <laughs> I'm so wacky. The man you met who saved you all those years ago, Gonk, was a confetti-throwing, life-of-the-party ball of energy. Yep, 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 yep. Ripping tailors left and right. Now, I don't, you probably remember your meeting with Captain Ron, but he doesn't remember you. Now, why would he? Thanks, thanks, kid. What's your name? Gonk. Gonk. Gonk Hoskin. Not half. Gonk. You wouldn't remember me, but I was nigh out of a shell when I first met you and you saved my doggone soft-shelled life. Uh, that seems like a lifetime ago. Okay, listen, I meet a lot of people. I've killed a lot of people. Big shame. All right. See, you're a pirate. <laughs> All right. 
No, I'm not a pirate. I'm a former pirate. I'm trying uh, to rev- trying to turn a new page. Come on. If it walks like a turtle, it sounds Slow like down. a turtle. It's a turtle from my experience. Yeah, but that for crying out loud, man. Shoot. Before he passes out, is there anything you want to say to Captain Dacry Rod? Yeah, uh, the tables are turned. I saved your life, so uh, I guess we're even. Um, so I guess we're in here for the long haul, Dacry. I guess if I can call you Dacry, or maybe just Dak. Uh, tell you what, try and not murder so many people. And uh, well, let's try and find. Uh, th- it may be the last drop of wisdom that my raging has uh, has uh, endowed me with, but try to put energy from your negative habits into positive ones. I don't know. Get a hobby. You've never been a leader, have you? What was no, no, I have not. Hell no. God no. Hell no. It's that's a- that's a good way to get your ass shot on a power chip. It's a shame. Somebody with your wisdom, with your homespun. Clearly not book-loaded wisdom. Actually could go far. I'm back there. You actually had the other pirates listening to you for a second. I thought you almost had them convinced. You have a lot of crazy ideas. I think the pirate world needs to hear them. Not a pirate. God damn, how many times I got a chance? Sure you're not. And he winks and passes out. Uh, Gonk, what happens over the next six years in Pirate Wing, in between your yearly beatings? <laughs> Gonk eventually uh, starts turning the, uh, well, yearns to turn the uh, pirate slash th- uh, aimless thug slash gang member uh, wing of uh, folks in prison into essentially sort of like a, a monastery of radical acceptance where he like uh, instead of using his rage instead of using rage to uh, instill massive amounts of damage on his enemies he instills massive amounts of damage on people's uh, bad habits and basically he deals massive uh, double damage on people's negativity he does uh, like critical hits <laughs> against people's negative personality traits um, and, uh, he has, uh, he basically can, um, uh, he has like a plus 10 against anxiety. Uh, I feel like he's, he's, he's trying so hard to keep the, you know, every once in a while, like the, like, uh, they'll be sitting in the bleachers or in like Lotus position and somebody will be like, and, and somebody will like come out with a malism and they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's right. Gong did say that. Yeah. Yeah. He's not trying to become anything other than what he is, but I, I feel like he's matured a little bit. Based off that input, we're going to say the next day, Captain Dacry Ron finds you in the wreck yard. Uh, he says to you with the same determination, he even has found some confetti. He walks up to Gonk. Hello, Gonk. Thank you. I've had a day to recover and thinking, by golly, you've made me want to live again. <laughs> he throws more confetti. <laughs> I still got a bunch of years left and... Just because I'm in this hellhole doesn't mean we can't do the best to live it up. So tell you what, I want to mentor you. I want to teach you how to be a leader. Between you and me, we could change the pirate wing of this prison. What do you say? Not a pirate. (laughs) I'm still not a pirate, but no. Uh, Yeah, but, uh, shit, all right. That's wonderful! And he throws, uh, he throws celebratory confetti all over the place. The next six years... Uh, Gonk turns to, like, a bleacher full of uh, gang members and goes, Every one of us has confetti inside us. <laughs> in this courtyard, you notice this... In a, in six years, 
the the wink that gonk and the rest of the gang members and went from being the most deadly wing of the prison to (laughs) to being the safest (laughs) to being one of the safest with the highest levels of reformed prisoners leaving what started off as a minor revolution within the pirate sector of this cell block eventually spread to all the other gangs when other gangs would attempt to force more violent ethos on the wing Gonk, with aid from the Thieves' Guild and Lothario's mom, would quickly handle, hopefully peacefully, anybody who was not content with many of the changes. The legend of Gonk... Couple dead bodies found with, like, slow down, written in blood. (laughs) (laughs) Those who broke the code repeatedly were found with slow down written in their blood in their cells the next morning. Gonk, much to his dismay, earned a reputation in the prison as the Pirate King. Every time somebody would call him the Pirate King, he would explain that he, he would explain to them, sometimes for upwards of ten minutes, that he wasn't a pirate. Not a pirate! But the name stuck anyway. Fair enough. After six years, Gonk is escorted from his cell on the way to the wreck yard. He is escorted to go see the warden. On to the last section. It's my beat-aversary. <laughs> <laughs> Chud. Yes, sir. After your first beating and guard Halsey punching your udders all the way to your new quarters, take this. No, ma. It's just a good stress reliever to punch your udders. No. <laughs> this is better than therapy. No. Made for you, maybe. This ain't good for me. Oh, is the therapy supposed to just be go one way? Is that how therapy works? I don't like therapy. You know, maybe I'm giving you free fist therapy. Have you thought of that? Can you try aromatherapy next? I think it would be a lot easier on my nether regions. Your feedback has been noted as he punches you again. No, you need me to email somebody or what? This is really (laughs) not good on my udder. Oh, yes, there's a complaints department. Uh, Feel free to reach out to them. No, Lord, it's going to take two weeks at least to get to a human being. (laughs) Chud, you are led into a nice portion of the prison. You see your cell uh, much nicer than what you thought prisons would be. Think a couple steps below like a Scandinavian prison. Huh. There's a lot of hot spas here. It even comes with your own Yennefer poster on the wall. Oh, look. Yeah. It's Yennefer from The Witcher, y'all. Ah, they know what I like in my cell. You only have a few minutes before a before a gnomish female knocks on your door. She's dressed nicely. You could tell uh, she has a couple guards escorting her. I say, oh, oh, hi. I, I, uh, th- I just like Yennefer's blue eyeshadow. That's all I'm looking at if you're wondering why I got this poster up here. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome. So do I. She's hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Now, the name's Judd. Judd Bingsley. What's your handle? My name's Misty. Misty Tinkersprout. Hi. Run a special program here in the prison. And she looks at her clipboard. It says here that you're a wizard. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had a wizard. Well, I was. I can't use my powers on the inside, apparently. Follow me, please. All right, Misty. It seems like you're walking forever. You're walking through specialized portions of the prison. Misty, are we leaving? This is a long walk. Let me ask you, Mr. Bingsley. How are you with... Maybe not children. How are you with teenagers? Oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm inexperienced, let's say that. I, I'm open-minded. I know that they like, uh, 
pogs? Is that what they like? They like uh, pimple creams? And, uh, well, listen, I'm here to learn. I got all the time in the world. As long as it don't involve getting kicked in the udders, I'd love to meet some teens. In this block of the prison, the guards are uh, much more gentle, provided you don't <laughs> misbehave your way to a different section of the prison. I think your days of having your udders punched are over. Oh, thank goodness. That's the best news I had all day. I appreciate it. As Chud turns the corner, the Alan Rickman guard punches him once. No! What, what the heck? I was <laughs> promised less of this. Since I joined the prison as the head behavior scientist, our job is to help reform <laughs> many of the prisoners. Now, most of the people we have in the wings in the prison are beyond redemption. However, we do have younger offenders who enter the system, and the Empire isn't willing to give up on them. Now, a lot of these kids just simply don't have the skills to become productive members of the Empire. Wait, wait, wait. I get it. You need me to scare them straight. Is that what it is? Can I just... <laughs> all I need to do is conjure my nightmare horse. That's all I need. Can you just let me cast one spell? And I, I swear, these these young ones, they ain't never going to cross the law again. Once they see Travolta <laughs> as a spidery, eight-legged horse smoking roll-your-own-cigarettes, it's it's terrifying. Truly terrifying. I'm so glad we're doing our own stories. I'm, really, I'm just really so happy that Gonk isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but wait a second. I am going to need my old friend Gonk to join me for this display. God damn it. He usually helps me calm down the nightmare horse. I make him, I make him pet his hair. Nope. <laughs> no, whatever you need me to do with the teens, I just uh, know that the horse uh, is, uh, is frightening as hell. Well, we can't get any friends, but uh, you will be interacting with teenagers, and no, you're not going to be scaring them straight. <laughs> no, I anything, didn't think so. They're going to be the ones scaring you. Oh, crap. If you had a scared straight scenario, don't think about it that way. Think about it more as a dangerous minds. With uh, Fi Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, with Michelle Pfeiffer. No, no, we need somebody who can reach these kids. A lot of these kids are repeat offenders, and we need somebody who can teach them how to read and write and how the world works, the sciences, phrenology, and other such three. Oh, yeah. And other such cutting-edge technologies. I'm coming up with this new thing called science uh, plus tology. It's going to be a real winner, I think. It's going to be sci What do you think of this? Scientology. Hmm? I would pay you all of my money for you to give me all the answers with a religion like that. Really? That's the idea. All right. Okay, so point me toward these teens. And you arrive in front of a classroom. She hands you a breastplate and says, hopefully you won't need this. Oh, no. Is that to guard my udders? I put it on immediately under my robes or whatever I've got on. My, uh, my outfit. Do I have an orange jumpsuit on? Each of you is dressed like the Hamburglar. Okay, so I have a striped, a white, a white and black striped outfit and a mask. Do I have a? T you look more like a cow than ever. Yeah. Yeah, she hands you that and a knight's helmet. Okay, I put them both on, but I keep the visor up so I can see what's up. I told the students that they would be getting a new teacher. Good, good luck to you. Hopefully, you survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! All right, how do I reach these keys? <laughs> I enter, I enter the classroom. Chad, you enter the classroom and you see you see one of the most undisciplined group of teenagers you've ever seen. You see there's a minotaur student giving a human student a tattoo in the back of the class. There are other students just making, the other students drinking toilet wine. 
Mm. At the front of the class. And these are presumably the good students. Okay. In the back of the room, a couple of the students have cleared room in their desks, and they're just watching two students uh, fight, uh, try to stab each other with pencils. Mm. And that all stops when you enter the room. They all turn and look at you. All right. Hello, class. Uh, the name's Mr. Bingsley. I'll be your new instructor here at uh, D Block. Uh, I just want y'all to know one thing. I don't take any crud, and my name is Chud. All right? Now... A knife enters the chalkboard. Right <laughs> a knife is thrown, and it sticks into the chalkboard right as Chud's talking. Cring. I go, that's a damn good throw, but you missed me. Whoever threw that, I want you to come to the front of the room, and I'm going to show you how to throw a knife properly. Come on up here if you want to learn how to kill. Upon hearing that, you see a halfling woman, teenager. She has a, she has a shaved head. She has a lot of prison tats all over her. And a I-don't-take-shit-from-nobody look on her face. All right. Oh, I, I like that haircut. Let me ask you, what's your name? Around here. I'm called Rose the Stabber. Right. Is that one of our Patreon fans? <laughs> oh, dang. It is now. Rose the Stabber. It is now eyeballing you menacingly while pulling the knife that she threw at the chalkboard out. So what? You gonna teach me how to better stab? Yeah, that's a good lesson. I could learn that. You're damn right I'm gonna teach you how to better stab. Not only that, y'all, but I know you probably had other teachers that tried to teach you a bunch of crap. A bunch of things you're never gonna use. But I wanna know what each one of you wants to do with your life, what you're good at, and let's make you better. Now come up to the front of the class, each one of you, and I want you to tell me what you like to do, and then we're going to figure out how we can do that even better. But first, let me show you this knife. Now, I can't do any conjuration whatsoever inside this jail. Like, I can't any press to digitate or do some fancy knife trick with it just to impress her. No, you can't do any magic, I'm, I'm going to say. Okay. I have a few skills, including... Do you have sleight of hand? Oh, look, your ear's dirty. There's a knife in it. I've never thrown a knife. Okay, so I try to use the blade as if it's like a wand, like as if I was going to cast something and try to extrapolate a, a sort of lesson being that, like, you have to point directly at your target and release. And, and I try to do it as if I would be casting a spell. Throw the knife. Is there any cool target in the room that would be that they would be impressed with that if I destroyed, like, a? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say there's a poster in the back of the room that says... Of Yennefer. poster of Yennefer. Crime doesn't pay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ye Yennefer hanging from a branch. <laughs> Just hang in there, baby. Okay, yeah. So I want to throw it at the uh, at the crime doesn't pay. All right, go ahead and give me an attack roll. 18. I have a plus five with dagger. 18. Chud, you are as shocked as anybody to see this <laughs> knife... Stick right between the arms of the Yennefer hanging from a branch, hang on their baby poster. <laughs> Almost Robin Hood-esque. Nice. Um, Rose the Stabber says, <gasps> I mean, I could have done that. I mean, I did it right behind you, but that was a, still a great throw. I, I mean, game recognizes game. Well, I know you could do it, and I know you could do a lot more, and that's what we're going to learn in this class. This is just the first class where we get to know each other and figure out how we can get the heck out of this prison together. Oh, people shouldn't try to leave. Bad stuff happens to people who try to break out. There is legend of one person who broke out, some lady with a mechanical arm, but since then they've made it very hard for people to leave. Well, that's all right, because it's going to be our final exam anyway. We got some time. 
This is class number one, y'all, but first we need a... We're going to have to take a quick recess. I got to get off my feet. I've been having my udders beat up on all day, and wearing this armor ain't no good. But everybody, come to the front of the class. I want to know what all your names are and all your talents are, and let's check them out. And bring me some of that toilet wine. <laughs> the students line up. They see that they finally got a cool teacher pass you some of the toilet wine. The first student you see in front of you is that large minotaur boy. You're a big feller. What's your name there, son? My name's Octavius, and I don't even see why I have to take this class. I don't even need to learn to read. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It helps to learn to read when you're trying to outsmart the law. Because the law is written. And if you want to read it, then you can beat it. And that rhymes, so you know it's true. But listen, Octavius, whatever you really want to do, is that that's what we're going to learn. I'm not going to force you to learn to be better than the cops. You're just going to have to realize that on your own. So I could be a better criminal if I learned the rules of the system, then I can exploit the system better. Wow, Mr. Bingsley. Nobody's ever explained it to me like that before. That's right. You could be a better criminal. You could be a better everything. But uh, that's up to you. You could be anything you want to be. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I ain't one of them kind of teachers. But uh, I am going to read some comic books in a minute here on recess. I'll tell you that. Thanks, Mr. Bingsley. I'm going to start a crime empire one day, and I have you to thank for that. Yeah, well, definitely. Write me up in your memoirs. Just, uh, the name's Gertrude. Uh, Goes to the next student, and the next student in line is Rose the Stabber. Uh, I want to be the best stabber that's ever lived. But, I mean, I couldn't do that, you know. I'm just pretty good. Why exactly do you want to be so good at stabbing? Let me ask you that. I grew up in Killwater, and... In Killwater, it's a pirate city, you know? I mean, the most popular girl in school is the girl who stabbed the most boys who were rude to her, you know? And I just always wanted to be popular, and just stabbing was always the way to do it. All right, I suppose if if you want to be popular. uh, But let me ask you this. What got you in here to begin with, Rose? How come you're in this place? I stabbed my teacher. (laughs) Uh, So perhaps being uh, better at stabbing uh, maybe you need to be better at not getting caught. What do you think about that? Maybe we should figure uh, out some new ways to get around. And So I become like a slasher who attacks at night, and <laughs> and then I could just do whatever I want during the day. I just don't get caught. I can stab whoever I want as long as they don't find out it's me. Oh my God, Mr. Bingsley, you've changed my life. Well, I taught you to be a real assassin. I know that's not necessarily my goal there, but uh, I do want you to learn how to pursue your dreams. And if you want to be more popular, there may be other ways to do it than just by slashing and stabbing. But we'll get to that later. First, let's figure out how to not get caught and be stupid about committing crimes. The next you see this student, he's a human. Somehow he's wearing a leather jacket, has a shaved head, teardrop tattoos all over his body. He's smoking in class. Mm. Listen, I'm going to stop you right there, Mr. Bingsley, because nobody can reach me. Well, People have tried. Probably not. You got an extra cigarette, though? Oh, yeah, of course. What do you want? Yeah, whatever. You want menthols or not menthols? Oh, I'm a menthol man. Well, there you go, teacher. Oh, you got a light? What's your name, by the way? My name's Lindsay, but if you, if, yeah, it's a girl's name. You want to fight about it? Well, no. I, I got a girl's name. I got my mother's name. Chud is my mom's name. Chud Momsley is my full name. I mean, my mom's name was... Listen, I'm not going to make fun of you for your name. What are you, who do you think I am? 
What do you think? My parents didn't love me? You think that's why they gave me the name Lindsay? You, you can't reach me, man. And he's like, without almost any prompting, he's starting to break down and have this moment that somehow your magic furball wisdom is just reaching this kid. Mm. I start patting him on the back. I go, there, there, Lindsay. This is a really anxious prison, you guys. Yeah. I don't know. Out of, out of all the prisons I've ever heard of or been to, I feel like this one is uh, probably one of the ones filled with the most anxiety. Yeah, it is. I try to pat him on the back and comfort him a little bit. There, there, Lindsay. No, no, just, <clears throat> just relax. Of course, uh, uh, everything's going to be fine. Here, smoke your cigarette. <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. No, no. Shut up, Mr. Beakley. Shut up. And he breaks down. Oh, my God, you've reached me. I want to learn. I always wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Why did I get into crime? I'm so excited to hear about that. Now, I love to dance. What? Let's see. Uh, do you happen to know the Carlton? And I try to... He's probably going to think I'm less cool, but I'm I'm like, I know I'm not that great at dancing. This one of the things I want to learn, too. Maybe, maybe Lindsay, you and I can learn how to dance. Come on, man. Get into it. I put, I put some music on my iPhone. And um, Lindsay, Lindsay. I don't have an iPhone in prison, right? Yeah, you do not. Uh, Lindsay starts to dance to that copyrighted music. And there's kind of just a montage as Chud goes down the line and somehow reaches within a, just a couple sentences on the first day of class. <laughs> Every student, although in a lot of cases it just means that they become set in their goals to become murderers or master criminals. But my goal eventually is, and I have a plus nine in persuasion, so eventually if they let me keep te teaching the class, I do want to ease those really hardcore evil people into some other direction if possible. Excellent. Okay, so over the six years in between your beatings, uh, you turn you you turn this class around. Is what you're saying? Yes. I mean, I would like them all to learn the skills, you know, th that they're really interested in, uh, but not if it's things like you know stabbing people in the dark or something. So, like trying to reach them on other levels and fi find out what other things they want to uh, to do. I love it. Okay, so flash forwards. Almost six years later, Chud, you are standing at, it looks like a mock makeshift graduation ceremony, mm. and you see a lot of your former students up there. They're wearing uh, Hamburglar robes and <laughs> Hamburglar graduation hats. <laughs> yes. It's a small class, it's really just your students. And now we'd like to welcome the class valedictorian, Rose the Stabber. She still goes by Rose the Stabber? Uh, you all know her when she came here as Rose the Stabber, but now you know her as Rose the Med Student. Please, <laughs> make your way to the stage. She has her hair grown out, still cut short, but now, you know, it's respectful, like she's trying to get an internship job at a hospital. Oh, wow. She says, and this halfling woman steps up with her prison tattoos. When Mr. Bingsley first became my teacher, all I knew was stabbing. That's all I knew. But Mr. Bigsley, in six years, taught me that I could stab for good. Ugh. Did you know that a lot of times you can stab a person and cut them open and help them? Which is why I'm going to be a doctor, Mr. Bigsley. Oh, Thank my you. goodness. I am just screaming and cheering. I'm jumping up and down. If I had a cowboy hat, I'd throw it up in the air. I'm hooting. I'm hollering. I'm just so proud. <laughs> 
so proud of Rose the Scalpel. Octavius, the Minotaur, stands up to the podium in his robe and he, When I first met Mr. Beasley, I couldn't read. But after talking with him, he showed me that there's a big world out there with a lot to learn. And a lot of systems that it could be exploited, which is why I want to get into finance, so I can focus on all the money and also focus on my secondary love of ignoring rules. <laughs> if I can start up enough capital by swindling poor people out of their money, I hope to be a CEO one day. Thank you, Mr. Finksley. Oh, I got mixed feelings on that one, but yeah, well... I'm going to start my own competing private prison firm. <laughs> Where I can incarcerate children and give them the same lessons you gave to me, Mr. Bingsley. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's pretty good, I guess. All right. <laughs> Please allow our salutatorian, Lindsay. And dancing up to the stage in like a complicated ballet, Lindsay makes his way up to the stage. Thank you, Mr. Beansley. You've given me the courage to pursue my dreams. Yeah, I'm not any more employable than I was after learning these dance skills. I'll always be in great shape and very limber thanks to you, Mr. Beansley. I'll always be proud of your killer moves. And that one time that we did that dance battle and you ripped your pants down the back, that was hilarious and I'll never forget it. Well done, Lindsay. That was a designed wardrobe malfunction, teacher. I never told you that. Oh, I assumed as much. You're just too good, Lindsay. And with that, the graduation ceremony is over. There's a couple other students who didn't have an interesting enough stories to concentrate on who also graduated, and Chud feels some pride about that as well. I feel pride about them. As they are throwing their graduation caps up into the air... That is when Chud feels a guard's hand on his shoulder. It is that time of year again. Oh, dang it. Well, all right. It's uh, it's whipping Christmas, huh? Okay, let's go. Oh, boy. Can I just slip my breastplate back on over these udders real quick before we go into their robe? Mr. Bingsley, are you trying to sneak? Uh, breastplate in under your robes. Well, I'll be honest with you. I was, because I really enjoy these weapons, but less so when I feel them on my body. Uh, so that's hmm. just sort of how, where I'm hmm. at with them. You know, they get less and less enjoyable every year. I don't know if that's the goal. I know that Mal seems to really have an appreciation for them, but uh, yours truly, well, I give it a poor Yelp review understand that every year I look forward to working out my aggression on your utters, and when you wear a breastplate, it prevents such actions. I just assumed you could maybe work out longer if, uh, if my udders are protected a little bit more, you know. Nothing quite has the give of your utters. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would have thought I'd build up calluses or some sort of utter toughness over the years, but they seem to just get more and more tender every time you do it, so, uh... Watching you leak milk after our sessions is one of the few joys I have all year. You know that if I ever do get free, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'll kill you dead. I will kill you dead, Warden! Oh, dang, my utter... Oh, oh, I hate this. Chud, remember you said that. You guys arrive for your yearly anniversary. You are in this room restrained with your hands above your head. The guards have just got done locking you up when they 
seem to have left kind of hurriedly. You guys are in there for about 15 minutes. It's rare for the warden to keep you waiting. If the warden is 15 minutes late, we can go just go home, right? But you got to be back next period. <laughs> Dang, how y'all been? Just peeling potatoes. How about you, Gaunt? Another day in paradise. What you been up to? <sighs> well... There's no point in grieving. Anything we lose comes around in another form, you know. Uh, we just uh, need to uh, realize that, uh, you know, I came in here thinking I could change the world, but today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Profound. I heard tales of the Pirate King, and uh, I didn't know you'd gone so zen with it. Oh, I'm no king. I'm just a, a small axiomatic particle swimming around in, in uh, a, a chaotic universe. But we are the universe in ecstatic motion. Maybe we ought to stop acting so small. How I've missed our talks. Mal, I've also enjoyed all the potatoes that you've been making. Uh, thanks for the grub. Yeah, those are what, fingerlings? Is that what they call them? Mm. Fingerlings? They're good. Fingerings? Since Malison has taken over, you have noticed an increase in the quality of food. Far less maggots. I've I've definitely enjoyed your your potatoes with half the bugs and maggots that I'm used to. We need to get out of here. That's what I've been saying for six years. What y'all been doing? What is out of here, really? I mean, don't we need to let the universe into here? <laughs> I've raised a, a whole cadre of of young criminals that I'm hoping will spring me at some point, but I, I don't have much hope for that because uh, they've ended up being good kids. Oh, and then there's this Lindsay. Boy, ah, what a kid. I mean, he's really turned out great. Anyway, here comes the utter buster. In the middle of catching up, the doors open and you see smoke obscuring the figure. You see a giant panda suit. You see Panda Man. None of you, in fact, I think only Chud has seen Panda Man, so that's fine. The rest of you, you see a humanoid creature in an animatronic panda suit. It's very rotund. Think of it like a fat Batman Whoa, suit. Whoa, Panda Man. Hey, is that you in there, Mr. Dandy? Mal, uh, what the hell you do to the food? Don't look at me. And this figure looks at you. You all think there'll be a time where I don't have to save your lives? Let's work on getting out of here. Come with me if you all want to survive. Oh, my Lord, thank you. Pinch me, am I dreaming? I'm coming, <laughs> Panda Man. Behind Panda Man, you can see uh, unconscious guards, signs of a fight, so on and so forth. You can hear chaos happening in the prison all around you. And that is where we're going to end our episode today. This has been fun. I, Very fun. It's been a long time since we've spent some time with Gertrude's dudes. I'm loving I it. I know I missed everybody. And great job, Damien. It was, it was really fun. I know. It's been six I love the way you years. kids. <laughs> Six years. Six years. Caleb Cleveland, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Caleb is Drawing on all your friendly neighborhood social medias. Jesse Egan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Jesse Egan Comedy on all social media. And uh, Chud Bingsley would just uh, like to say, make sure you learn to read. And of course, AG, where can people find you? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod or at Muller She Wrote. And of course, uh, you can find me at Allison Gill. Two L's and Allison, two L's and Gill. Highly recommend everybody. To, by the way, does that mean we can call, start calling you Allison now? or, or is this, Yeah, by the time AG? this episode airs, uh, Muller She Wrote will be over and I'll be taking over that account with my at Allison Gill uh, account. 
That is it. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Awful Neutral. Later, nerds. Bye. Bye. Hey y'all, Chud Bingsley here for the Awful Neutral Podcast. We want to give a shout out to some honorary members of Gertrude's Dudes, some fine folks who subscribe to Awful Neutral's Patreon and help us keep the lights on. I call them Chud's Buds, but round here they're family. Well dang it, that sounds like an Olive Garden commercial. Who wrote this? Anyway y'all, we'd like to thank Rick Turpin, better known as Braun Rick the Barbarian in Sastagarian circles, sent message to us through Hudson Hawk that he had our backs. If the posse's on our tail, he'll help us make bail. We thank you, Rick. Lindsay Taylor is a human name, but Lynn's Lord Taylor is a true elven name of this generous patron who was a supporter of light, learned of Gertrude's dude's fight against Lord Privilegington's might. And upon our flight, and later our imprisoned plight, Lindsay has been to the end of our tunnel of light. We thank ye. We want to give a very special howdy and thanks to Malleus Varmentum, a.k.a. Roy the Snake, a very strong veteran member of the Thieves Guild who has mentored our Lothario and has sent support in these trying times. Malleus also enthusiastically pestered our fearless dungeon master into finalizing the Patreon, and Damien wants to personally thank him for that. As do I. Jessica Outbeer, or Chancellor Jessica Outbeer, is known to be a close cousin to Malice and Kill, and is a Goliath supporter of Gertrude's Dudes, pledging to help keep her airships outfitted with the latest in pirate repelling armaments of all kinds. Gonk and Mal and the rest of the crew are sure are grateful, and we thank you. Lynette DeBelle, known as Lady Lena Theobella, the tabaxi cleric who heard that one of her own had his entire order leave him behind, in quotes. So she sent word that she's helping in the investigation of why they all bailed on the Q-Man. And he sure will be appreciative of that when he stops batting around a small ball of yarn that I gave him. Rebecca Throop, or better known in the tongue of the winged folk, the Aarakocra, as Rebecca Swoop Throop. That's how all bird folks' names sound, by the way. Hudson Hawk's real name in Hawkeys is Call Crash Dang It Hawk. So thanks so much for flying into the rescue, Rebecca. We sure appreciate your support. Jay Baker. Oh, the great druid furball master, J.R.R. Baker. Great uncle to Chud, that's me, still supported him to the Furball Village Council after Chud was driven from town. You're probably wondering why old Chud was driven out. Hey, listen, I shot the sheriff's son, but I did not kill the deputy's son. You know that song. 
Anywho, when I was on the run, only J.R.R. Baker had your boy's backside, and I'll forever be in your debt, my friend. Chris Waltrip, known in Sastagaria as Archbishop Christopher, the Falcon of the Citadel, patron of the arts and an early proponent of the new cultural movement towards enlightenment, Christopher is no ally of the tyrannical and criminal Lord Privilegington, and has supported resistance to his reign. Christopher remains a beacon of goodness within the tumultuous and often corrupt society. He recently sent word that he's pardoned Gonk of his unjust conviction of piracy and has blessed the party's quest to liberate the land from Lord Priv. In my travels, I've found there are few like the Archbishop, a man of true goodness, who I would have faith in when belief in lesser men is tested. Cason Escobedo is the name our pal goes by when in human disguise, but in the forest of the unbearables, this ally is known as Jukumari, the spectacled bear, also known as the Andean short-faced mountain bear and close friend to our own Bamboo Bigelow. For our next honey heist, Jukumare has pledged their support by sending the party an everlasting honey gobstopper to keep our group of bear adventurers from becoming hopeless criminals. And we thank you, Matthew R., or as Flip Dimpleton calls him, Matty Rescue, his next door neighbor and new initiate to the Conspiracy Theorist Club. Matty is one of Flip's childhood pals, and once he heard about the Kids on Bikes quest to explore the mysterious teepee at the center of Oboyono, Texas, he joined the club and has started working tirelessly to research all unexplained phenomena. And when I say research, I mean he reads all the tabloids of the 90s and lets us know where the aliens and Elvis and Bigfoot have shown up lately. Many thanks, Matty Rescue! Torso full of bees. Well, Chud's buds wouldn't be complete without the great mage Torso Full of Bees, a powerful sorcerer also known as Torsius Melifera, who has the ability to release a huge swarm of killer bees from inside his chest. He's like a walking hive, y'all. Torsius also has an enchanted pen, allowing his drawings to spring to life. Torso has begun transcribing the adventures of the G-Dudes, in a compendium of magical histories, and his illustrations of our characters has become both legendary and definitive. We can't thank you enough for helping our deeds to be transcribed in such a beautiful visual way. You are truly magical, Torso! Christopher Skelton, the Yanti pureblood part of our old pal Pyth. You know that serpent-like feller featured in the awful reboot story arc? Chris Skelton has slid into our lives and we love it. Chris has proved that sometimes it's a good thing to have a snake in your boot. Having a Yanti around keeps down any rodent pest problems and this scaly pure blood has brought pure unadulterated enthusiasm to our podcast with their support. Thank you kindly, Christopher. We love all our Patreon subscribers. Chuds, buds, we couldn't do this without y'all. Thanks for supporting Awful Neutral. Tell all your friends to check us out and interact with us on social media at Awful D&D. Hey, everybody. This is Friedrich, Sergeant of Arms at the Citadel. It's lonely work. If you're like me, you're looking for love. You never know when or where you'll meet the one. For me, it was a weird day. I had just 
been possessed by an evil blue energy that compelled me to attack the man I was charged with protecting. Just then I saw an angel on an airship burst through the roof and into my heart. Malice and Kill, you're my lady. If you're looking to make a love connection, I recommend Awful Neutral. For the low, low price of a five-star review on iTunes, we guarantee love. High five. Ah, oh, you miss me. You owe me five.